0: Hey everybody, welcome to the wonderful world of Remnant Radio. In today's program, we're going to be engaging with a popular YouTube teacher, Alan Parr, and his teaching on Isaiah 53, If Healing is in the Atonement. It's going to be an exciting program. You guys stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. have been working on a new intro for our Wednesday shows where we tackle just the gifts of the Spirit uh, so that you can get Miller's you know, lovely face into that intro video. Uh, he's been a co-host here for probably, I say probably, I mean, since 2018 and then left for a year and then came back and then like hasn't left since. So you've been like two years on, needs to be in that intro clip. But I got to remind you guys, as this is that intro of the show, we're crowdfunded. If you want to support the channel, there are links in the description. You have a one-time gift on PayPal or recurring reoccurring gift uh, on Patreon. Also, it's those five bucks a month to get access to extra content. And I want to introduce you to the boys. I really, really do. But But before I do that, there's this thing I got to show you. This thing? The uh, Word and Spirit School whoa. of Ministry registration is open, will only be open hey, for the next three weeks, closes February 26th, so you'll want to make sure to do that. Uh, we had 60 students go through uh, the school with us last February, tons of testimonies can be found there on the link, um, really cool stuff, uh, people who had a cessationist background, people who are more uh, uh, in the continuationist space, been, been doing the gifts you know, since 1965, but are now practicing gifts that they've never done their entire lives, like interpretations of tongues and really cool stuff like that. So uh, I believe in the course, man. I think it's pretty spectacular. Uh, Roundtree, you want to give some introduction? How are you doing today?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, yeah, not a whole lot new. Ready to dive into this uh, to this topic. Did a little uh, kind of Hebrew word research and looking at various Old Testament scholars and so on. Talking about Isaiah 53 and uh definitely have a lot that we agree with alan parr on we'll talk about that uh maybe even mostly but just not entirely well you'll you'll see you'll see what i'm talking about so excited to talk about that miller how about you anything you want to add
2: no i i I watch a lot of alan parr stuff so i'm a big fan honestly um i i you know i don't ever want to come into something where i'm disagreeing with somebody i'm a big fan of and i really hope that Maybe he'll watch the show and come on, and we don't even have to talk about this topic. We could talk about something else. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. So uh, yeah. yeah, looking forward to the episode. His YouTube
1: channel like dwarfs ours. What are, I mean, I think we have like eighty thousand subscribers or something. He has like a million. I don't know how, yeah. how many subscribers. You guys know how many he has? This is like he is like the Protestant Pope of YouTube.
0: He's got as many Protestant subscribers as Kenneth Copeland has jets. Okay, no, but what I was going to say, <laughs> that's bad. i was just, i was just being silly. Sorry. That was too far. Um, uh, what I was going to say is, uh, th- this guy, we highly respect him. We, uh, again, like Miller said, officially would invite him on the show. Talk about this issue or others. Uh, we think Alan is spectacular. We reached out to him via Instagram said, Hey, no hard feelings. We disagreed with this video he made three years ago. I don't even know if you agree with this stuff anymore. Uh, but hey, there's this teaching. It's got 119,000 views on it online that you publish on Isaiah 53. And that's kind of like the charismatic space, talk about healing. So this is something we disagree with, but we would say that Alan is a biblical teacher, he's sound. Uh, you can trust his teaching. Uh, this is a small nuance disagreements amongst believers. Uh, we're well, not, to be
2: fair, we, we actually agree with a lot of it. They're just, Oh, that's it true that we as well. Strongly disagree with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would say the main interpretative parts, the application, uh, we would agree with his motivation. We would agree with, uh, but, but a few of the interpretive parts, uh, in Isaiah and, that we, we just disagree with. So, uh, which the, one do you guys want to start?
1: Uh, well, I think that first video that we have, that Alan Parr's best friend's sister, that, that component, you want to start start there?
0: Yeah. 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 So we've got uh, three different or four different videos um, walking through um, Alan's arguments that we've kind of uh, put together. One is like his, his primary motivation for doing what he's doing. Uh, he's got another one that, that kind of talks about some of the source material uh, of like how he does word studies on this subject. Um Uh, diving into Isaiah 53 and in 1 Peter, and then finally kind of like a charge and warning about some of the Word of Faith stuff. So uh, let's dive into clip number one. Today we're gonna answer the question, what exactly does the phrase, by his stripes
3: we are healed, mean? And let me just kinda tell you a little bit where I'm coming from here. This one actually hits home uh, for me because uh, several years ago, my best friend in the world, he was actually my best man at my wedding, uh, just a dear friend of mine, uh, his sister uh, got sick with cancer. And he was praying for her healing. He had all sorts of family members praying for her healing. Um, he had people from his church praying for her healing, uh, put blasts on Facebook and all sorts of social media things. And for whatever reason, um, his sister was not healed. And sadly, she went on to be with the Lord and she passed away. And it just totally devastated him and his family and whatnot. And I'm sure many of you are watching this right now. You've had very similar experiences where a loved one has gotten ill and you have prayed and fasted and laid hands and put oil on them and done everything you could. But for whatever reason, they passed on. Now, let me be clear before I even get into this entire discussion, because oftentimes people will hear me talk about healing and they'll just say, well, Brother Parr, you don't believe in healing. You don't believe in faith. Listen, let me be very very clear. If someone is sick or if I have a loved one that is ill, the first thing that I'm going to do is pray for them. Why would I do that? Because I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if there was ever a time in history where God healed somebody, that means God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, which means I am going to believe that God is able to do this for me. And so yes, I'm going to pray for that person. Yes, I'm gonna lay hands on that person. Yes, I'm going to ask all the people that I know to pray for my beloved uh, one who is ill. And so listen, by me saying what I'm gonna say in this video, that does not mean I do not believe in healing. I believe God heals people every day. The biggest difference is I believe it is God who chooses who he desires to heal, and it is not always as a result of our faith twisting his arm to make him heal people that we want him to heal. Now with that being said, let's jump into the message. And so recently I got an email uh, from someone that follows me on YouTube, and this email actually says this, and it actually broke my heart, it says, I have lost hope in the word I have been believing for healing and deliverance in many areas of my life since 1989. And I am tired. I am 58 and I have not accomplished anything because of mental illness. My night cleaning job is downsizing and I need direction. I am backslid and have difficult time reading the Bible because of disappointments and delays to answer prayer. I am doing things in the flesh that I thought I would never do. I need direction to a counselor who can help me. I tried Jesus and I don't understand why he won't respond to my cry. In other words, I don't understand why he won't heal me of my mental illness. And so basically this email, what happened was I put this email out on Facebook and so many different responses were coming in. People were saying, hey, you know, man, I'm gonna pray for this guy, this is sad. You know, but then other people were saying, hey, by his stripes we are healed the bible says that we are healed and basically there is a movement that's going around and it's called the word of faith movement you may be familiar with it you may not i want to encourage you to check it out because Oftentimes, whenever we are not really biblically literate, and this is not to be offensive in any way, what I'm saying is that a lot of times movements uh, tend to prey on people that may not know the Bible as well as other people. And so they tell you things that you want to hear. They say, sow a seed into my ministry and you will be blessed. Or they will say, if you just have enough faith to believe God, then you can be healed and you can have prosperity. You can have all of these things. I've talked about this on my channel before. And what happens is, is that it creates a certain hope and a belief that maybe God promised me healing in uh, the scriptures. And if I just believe enough, or if I have enough people around me that believe enough, then I can force God to do something that I want him to do for me to make my life better. And this is just simply not what the
0: Bible teaches. Well, a lot of stuff there. That's the first clip. We don't have a whole lot to comment on here, but when you guys want to take it away?
1: Sure, Um, well, Okay, you put the camera on Miller, but yeah, I'll roll with it. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I love that he affirms that God heals. We're definitely on the same page as that. I love that he says the first thing that he would do is pray. He believes that God is is able to heal. So all of those kind of things. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you might not have seen, he put little like l- blurbs on the screen that said, like, hey, I apologize if this comes off. Uh, I can't remember the exact words, like proud or short or... Uh, that kind of thing, because he was kind of reflecting some rawness of emotion, just related to the the really difficult stories that he mentioned, and those are uh, kind of gut wrenching stories. And uh, you know, being having been in the charismatic church for quite a long time, I I have seen these kinds of abuses, and I actually can agree with him. Like you know, just this idea. Uh, I remember when I first started believing that it, it, I was just exploring if healing was for today and if prophecy was for today and those kind of things. And I came across a Kenneth Copeland book and I just, I mean, I was just reading everything and it. And this happens a lot of times that people, they come to us, they, they're just like, they they just pick up books. They don't even know who all these people are. And they just start reading and you got to be really careful. You pick up one of these books by Copeland anyway. But I remember him telling stories about like, uh, you know, quoting Isaiah 53, five by his stripes, I am healed. And it's like, even though the symptoms were like very present, he was teaching people to essentially deny the the symptoms, to pretend that you don't actually have them. He didn't use the word pretend, but he said, no, God's word says you are healed. So those those symptoms are just an illusion and your healing hasn't manifested yet. And that kind of language, uh, if you're ever around that, it's just, it's denying reality. In Romans chapter four, where, where um, Abraham is the example of faith. It says that he saw that his body was as good as dead, yet hope against hope believed. And so faith is not denying reality. Faith is not saying, oh, my healing just hasn't manifested yet because the word of God is true. Even though I'm in a wheelchair, I'm, I'm healed, but my faith, or, you know, my healing hasn't manifested. Like I've seen all those kind of things. So I'm kind of amening him as he speaks. I mean, pretty much. Uh, I, I think the. The the part about twisting God's arm, like I get what he's saying, and I, I actually do agree with him because it does sound sometimes, I mean, when you hear some of these people talk, that sounds like what they're saying. If we were to be like charitable, probably none of them would say, hey, we can twist God's arm. <laughs> but I would agree with uh, Parr and say, it sounds to me like you're saying that, even if you would deny it. So uh, yeah. man, a lot of agreement here from me.
0: I think yeah. the only thing I disagree with about this statement is a kind of a false binary that, one, you interpret this passage the way he interprets this passage, or you're a word of faith person who declares by his stripes we are healed. And I would just say that I think that charismatics can cannot hold to the word of faith and still hold to Isaiah 53 and other like passages uh, and hold those texts as promises of God for healing. And, and he mentioned a false hope in that video. And I would say that actually my rootedness of hope in that healing is something that produces faith in in perseverance in me, and it doesn't discourage. Um, in that the Bible says that at the cross my sin was dealt with, right? Um, you know that Jesus really paid the debt of my sin to liberate me to give me everlasting life, and I still plan to die one day. Um, and everyone that I know that has been a Christian that has gotten old enough they died one day, or some sickness took them and they died one day. But the Bible says He gave me everlasting life at the cross, so. Even though I'm not seeing the present reality, I can still hold on to that hope and, and faith and trust in the, the promise of what was purchased at the cross, even if I'm not seeing the manifestation of that until the age to come. So there's a bit of a nuance there, but I would just say just because the doctrine isn't manifesting in front of you instantaneously in that moment, which again, I think he's responding to word of faith people who do that, um, uh, doesn't mean that, that, that it's not true. So, I would say the
1: promise, Josh, I would say just there. to clarify. Sorry, Miller, really quick. Uh, we try to c- get each other's backs here in case uh, anything can be like YouTube clipped and uh, sure. uh, so uh, and soundbited. Okay, would you say the promise of healing? Though you're not suggesting that Isaiah fifty three five promises I will be healed in this life if I have enough faith. You're talking about, I will be healed either in this life or in the life to come. come. Is is that correct? Yeah, in the
0: same way that I I see deliverance of my sin in this life, but I won't see a complete deliverance until the age to come. I can also see healing in this life, but I won't see the fullness of that healing until the age to come. So I'm just trying to create that nuanced space to say, I can still hold these texts and believe these texts and pray for these texts. Like I know if there's a, an area of my life where God has identified and highlighted an area of sin, um, that that if I'm wrestling with this, I, I can have faith and trust that it's truly God's will to deliver me of this area, and I can crucify this thing, and I can believe and pray the promises of God and read the scriptures uh, about about deliverance from sin in this area, and I can really believe it's God's will, and I think God can and will deliver me of that, and I think that is His will, but I also know that it's possible I could wrestle with that thing until the grave. Um, so I, I just don't know that those two things have to be pitted against each other. Yeah. Uh, So there is, there is a
2: false binary going on there and he's, he's responding to what he knows to be, uh, this is charismatic faith and, uh, which is word of faith. And just to be clear, the way that the word of faith defines faith is differently than how we would on this podcast. We don't see faith as this force that can then force God's arm to heal. Um, We we don't see faith as psychological certainty, where if you just, you know, you you lay claim to it by writing verses all over your wall and and, and then every day quoting them, by his stripes I'm healed. Um, We don't see that that uh, holds any particular power trying to conjure up psychological certainty so that you can get the outcome. And the problem with that view, which I think is what he's addressing, is uh, they sort of think that by doing those things, they can get healing from God. And I would say that it's not in doing that we get anything from God um God is just gracious and good um last or a week and a half ago, I was in Cincinnati doing a uh conference, and there was a seventy two year old man whose shoulder was dramatically healed, the meniscus in his knee was healed, and his ankle was dramatically healed and he couldn't move his arm around like this uh in seven years. so the next morning, I run into him as I'm walking into the church and he says the words to me um." this is amazing. Like, And he was in tears. Why would God do this? Why would God do this for me? I, I don't deserve this. And my response is, none of us do. And if it was up to us, our behavior, or whether we deserved it, none of us would be healed at all. And so then you got to ask the question, what exactly brings about healing and why? And and I think he, he is uh, just polarizing two different views on this and, and assuming that everybody who believes that healing is in the atonement would have a word of faith posture about healing being in the atonement yeah, which is not I, what I we don't have know. i'm not i'm not convinced
1: that he was for sure saying like if you had pressed him well I the example know, he gave me. was that it was a word of faith yeah, type of approach for sure but could it have been that he was just going after word of faith specifically because i remember him saying like something like watch out for word of faith like I'm not so convinced that he was saying every charismatic thinks this way. I think he was, I took it as he was saying word of faith thinks this way. And I think it's bad. And, and I agree with him if that's what he was saying. Yeah. 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 I think, I, I think I'm getting
2: a little ahead of ourselves because I think he will say some of these things in the video. Correct. Okay. And as far as like okay. what what's in the atonement.
0: Miller watched the yeah. video before we got into the interview, uh, Roundtree. He doesn't, he doesn't. I did. He doesn't. I watched I just, the video. I'm, just picking, I'm yeah. just picking on you, Michael. I know you Patrick, watched the video. Did you video. not, did you about not all prepare? Week. I, just going going on on I
1: am freaking prepared. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, cool. Are we ready yeah, for we we video, could, We could do next. clip. Actually, actually, I'm got to chime in one more thing because I just have to okay. say this because I just think this is true. Okay. He talks it, When he does say, I believe God is able to heal and praise God for that, I will also say this. Every cessationist believes that. I don't know any cessationist yes, who's right. like, "Well, God's just not quite omnipotent. He he can do a whole lot of things. He just can't heal a body." Um, and I do think there is I, I want to comment on this just cuz several people said something about this in the chat. And Josh, you touched on it, and that is like your your faith like not just that God is able, but that he will actually heal you, although you put the nuance of whether it be in this age or the age to come, you don't know. However, with that said, like I I think the, the ministry of Jesus, if Jesus is the word of God, the exact expression of the Father's heart. And I, uh, I, I would say that, you know, in some cases, Jesus, quote, healed them all. We see God's heart for healing. And so I, I don't want to um, be in this posture of like, yes, God is able to heal in once every fourth blue moon, he might because I'm not really going to come with any sense of expectation. I think that, that faith means more than a doctrinal belief that God is able. uh, But actually uh, a belief in God's, I mean, I, I define faith as confidence in God's goodness, wisdom, and power. And, uh, and so his goodness is like his heart really is to heal in his wisdom. Sometimes he might not in this life, in this age. And, and so I would just kind of speak with that kind of nuance. I think it's helpful to have some kind of and expectation and anticipation that something will happen.
2: I, I think we should we should throw out the age to come language instead switch over to resurrection right uh, what which side of the resurrection, not which side of the age because there's a sense a very real sense in which the age to come is here and now and so uh, and largely because of the incarnation I mean that that's what ushered in the age to come. And so I I would just say on which side of the resurrection I would keep that uh, distinctive thing uh, for sure. It helps.
0: Cool, guys. Let's jump into this next clip because we're 20 minutes in. We've got four clips. Okay.
3: Now, I'm going to go through several scriptures here. So I want you to hang on with me. Please watch this entire video because I'm going to show you in the scriptures exactly what the phrase by his stripes we are healed means and why you should never use that scripture to justify the fact that, um, you know, we should be healed physically and that God promised us divine health, okay? So if you don't get anything else out of this video, hopefully you will better understand how to properly interpret the scriptures. Now, let me give an example of this. Let's just say that um Jesus came and he healed somebody right in front of me. And I said, man, Jesus was a bad man. Now you could take those words, Jesus was a bad man, and you could plaster that all over social media. and You could call me a heretic. You could call me a blasphemer because, man, Brother Alan Parr just said Jesus was a bad man. But if you look at the context, if you look at what happened, Jesus was just healed somebody, right? And if you look at how I said that, then you'll understand that I'm using the phrase bad in kind of a Michael Jackson way, not in a negative context. So the point here is that different words can be used in different ways to suggest different things. And what I'm gonna show you in the book of Isaiah is how the word healed or heal or healing was used throughout that entire book. Then we're gonna look at a couple of uh, passages in the Bible, one in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, and also in 1 Peter chapter 2 on how the word healed is used in that phrase by stripes we're healed. So let's go ahead and let's get going. Several places in the book of Isaiah, the word healed is used, and I'm not going to read all of them. I'm just going to read a few of them. Isaiah 610, it says, render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and here it is, and return and be healed healed, right? So clearly this verse is not talking about physical bodily healing. It's talking about how they were wayward. They were backslidden. They were disciplined. They were uh, disobedient to God. They had sinned. And God was saying, if they would just hear me, if they would just understand with their hearts, if they would just see what I'm trying to do with their eyes, then they would return to me and I could heal their spiritual uh, disobedience, right? Spiritual disobedience, healing. All right, Isaiah 19, 22, the Lord will strike Egypt, striking, but healing. So once again, God is saying, hey, because of your sin, because of all the things that you've done, I'm gonna strike you, I'm going to discipline you, I'm going to punish you, I'm gonna chastise you, but because I love you, I'm not just gonna leave you in that state, I'm also gonna heal you. Once again, nothing in this verse that talks anything about physical, bodily healing of our diseases and our infirmities, right? It just says, hey, I'm gonna heal you. So they will return to the Lord, and he will respond to them and will heal them. Once again, talking about spiritual healing. Let's keep going. Isaiah 30 and 26, and then we're going to get to the passages I know you're thinking about. Uh, The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days. On the day, the Lord binds up the fracture of his people and heals the bruise he has inflicted, right? So once again, it's talking about God disciplining and punishing and chastising his people, hence the bruise he has inflicted because of their sin. But he says, I'm going to heal you and bring you back.
0: Okay, I just first off want to say that uh, when we were starting to prep for this program, uh, he walked through all of those scriptures, and and I think that Alan makes a compelling case on this. As I'm walking through it, I go, "Hey, I can see what you're getting at." And especially that first verse that he quotes. Uh, you know, they're they're clearly spiritually deaf. They're spiritually blind. Uh, and then when he comes and heals them, he's healing their spiritual deafness, their spiritual blindness. I'm like, okay, Alan, I'm tracking with you. I see what you're saying. And then when he was saying, every time Isaiah uses this, he's using it as a spiritual healing, not a physical healing. I was like, man, if, if that's really the case, this is kind of compelling. But then as I begin to look at some of the source material, I just, I don't know that that is exactly what those passages in Isaiah are saying, that it it somehow negates physical healing. And and Alan is kind of showing for us what good Bible study looks like. So if, if you find a word in the Bible and you're trying to figure out what it means, what you do is you you grab that word and you look at how that word is used in, in that book, right? How is this word being used in this book? And then if you're you're looking at that book, if that author has had multiple books, you see how that author uses it in different books. And, and then if there's a consistency there, you can even see at times that there's a consistency throughout other books within its genre, you know, and, and throughout the scriptures to see if there's a, a thematic way that these phrases or words are being used. So Alan is displaying for us what good Bible study it looks like. Uh, but I do think at the same time, if we were to dig a little bit deeper Instead of just reading just those verses and around some of the context around those verses, we'll actually find that maybe those verses don't say exactly what Alan thinks they say. Uh, and again, respectfully. Um, th- does anyone want to jump in there?
2: I'd say we just go verse by verse through this. Let's just go with the first one, talk about uh, his exegesis of the passage, then go on to the next one. Sure.
1: Okay. 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 Uh, I mean, I think we're all going to be on the same
2: page with Isaiah uh,
1: 6, and Josh kind of mentioned that, but make the heart of those people dull, their ears heavy, they blind their eyes, lest their eyes see, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Uh, and this is quoted in Mark chapter 4, uh, speaking of people who are listening to his uh, his parables. And I would say very clearly, I, and I think all of us agree on this, right? This is a spiritual healing that he's talking about here. So I think we would agree with them. correct?
0: I think so.
2: Yeah, there's, there's nothing in the text that would imply physical healing, and it seems pretty obvious that it is talking about a spiritual healing. Uh, I think I put a, a note in here that, that this is actually quoted in Mark 4 after Jesus just was with his family, and, he, and then he then shares a, a parable of the uh, the sowers and the seeds, and in that he's um, he's doing exactly what Isaiah did, uh, or the God did through Isaiah, is making sort of a sarcastic ja- jab at the people of Israel. And so once again, Jesus is using it in a typological fashion to say in the same way, like, you know, they're going to hear, but they're not going to hear. They're going to see, but they're not going to see. So it's not that he's intentionally trying to blind them to this. It's that their hearts are already so blinded and already so hardened that they won't be spiritually healed.
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think we're all on the same page there. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go to the next one. Um, So Uh, Isaiah 19, 22, he mentions that, uh, and the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing and they will return to the Lord and he will listen to their pleas for mercy and heal them. Um, guys, to me, this does not sound as definitive. He might be right that it's spiritual healing. And I would say it's baseline, at least spiritual healing. Uh, but a few things about Isaiah 19, five times in Isaiah 19, it's going to say in that day. So this is eschatological. Uh, this is speaking about the last days, the days in which we're in now. And uh, and in this passage, it's going to predict that Egypt and Assyria and these former enemies of God become friends of God and start worshiping God and praying to God and setting up altars and memorials to God and so on. So it, it, has, it has something to do with, uh, I mean, we'll Get a little eschatological here. Has something to do with the millennium. Whether you believe that millennium is taking place right now, and you're on millennial or post millennial, uh, perhaps, or if you think the millennial is future after or millennium is future after Christ's return. Uh, either way, it seems to be this eschatological passage, and uh, and and we see there's there's mention of Moses uh, who and this sort of like second Exodus, and so this Christ connection in the broader passage. But here's where I want to go with it: the fact that he mentions Egypt, so that that seems to 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 speak to the fact that just like Egypt, God poured out these plagues on them, and uh, and then like kind of looking forward, it it seems as though I mean these plagues were physical. When God speaks to the Israelites, He says, "I won't put the plagues of the Egyptians on you. Uh, I won't put the sicknesses of the Egyptians on you." It seems like if Egypt is sort of the background foreshadowing some great last day's work that God's going to do, it seems at least possible that physical healing is included in that.
0: Yeah. Can uh, did I, I miss can something I, that you guys would add? I just want to unpack that just a little bit, just to, just to reiterate it. Uh, Isaiah 19, 1 through 18, speaks of the kind of disaster God's going to bring on Egypt. Okay, he's like, hey, there's gonna be civil war. Egyptians are gonna seek counsel not from God because of of the kind of disaster God's gonna bring upon Israel. He's these uh, the leaders of Egypt. They're not gonna go to God. They're gonna go to sorcerers and necromancers. Again, it sounds very similar to the first, you know, uh, Egypt uh, uh, plague system in which God calls his people out of that land. He's gonna drive up their rivers. He's gonna uh, he's going to uh, tear up their fishing systems. He's going to to make sure all the reeds die, So, which is what they use for tools and implementation. So there's a lot of socioeconomic like, challenge that God is going to thrust upon these people. It talks about wars and pestilences and different things like in Ezekiel from this passage. So this is Isaiah 19, 1 through 8, describing God's going to bring judgment. And then there's this little sliver of text that we see in like 19 through 24, 25, 26, where he, he starts walking through, hey, but there are going to be people in Egypt to rebel against this system rebel might be a strong word uh, but but they are going to be like a remnant and they're going to worship God in in the midst of all this paganness and evilness in Egypt there's going to be this group that worships God and and and, and from amongst these people God's going to raise up a savior so you, you see the parallels again is it's like there's a remnant within inside of Egypt that's worshiping faithfully God's going to bring a savior and and God's going to strike with healing uh, 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 to, to, to his people he's going to strike the bad guys but he's also going to heal the good guys it's that Goshen principle that we see in the book of Exodus so there's a lot of parallels that are getting fleshed out in this text We, we you know, the people are greatly afflicted water supplies are affected uh, they're interrupted in livestock, livestock and trade God brings plagues of judgment and, and then when this passage comes along where he says he's going to heal them uh, just know that the word healing is often used in scripture in a lot of different ways um, you know, if God brings a drought, he can heal your land, right? That that popular passage in, in, is it what second Corinthians, you know, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. I've got it memorized. I don't know where it's at though. Um, uh, anyway, so
2: (laughs) your Pentecostal days, (laughs) Pentecostal background, right? So so
0: typically that, that, that idea of God healing the land isn't, physical healing, but it's restoring and bringing back the order uh, and restor- restoring what God had destroyed. But again, if we're going to say that in this passage, this is, seems to be a escalation of what was happening in the first Exodus story, that this, this, this coming uh, 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 Egyptian story that we're looking at, some kind of Exodus taking place there as well, if this is an escalation, we can say that, well, if there was physical harm that caused them in the first exodus story maybe there's physical harm in this second exodus story and, and and if there was a deliverer in the first one who actually caused healing to come upon people maybe there's there's going to be healing that comes upon people in this way so though it is it's definitely about land and it's definitely it could be about spiritual stuff nowhere in this text does it say it's a spiritual healing for sure Um, And I would say that just because of the parallelism, it could probably imply physical healing uh, just because of the parallels that we see uh, in the first Exodus story. I feel like I'm being a good horse now. I've said it a couple times. No, you got it.
2: I think the statement he made earlier about words being used in various contexts determine what they mean. So like he mentioned Jesus is bad, right? But he doesn't mean it in a negative sense. He means it in a positive sense because he healed people. So the context itself of that statement determines what it means. The problem is in this case, he's using a passage where the context itself does not explicitly mean spiritual healing only. In fact, it mm-hmm. could quite possibly be all kinds of healing, uh, healing of the body, healing of the land, healing of the socioeconomic status. There's any number of things that God could do where he took what was disorderly and brought back order to it. And that order could be quite inclusive of the human body and the order it was supposed to be in. So uh, I just don't, I think I think what's happening is he's used Isaiah to talk about spiritual healing, and now he's thinking that he can immediately then go. Now every other passage in Isaiah can talk about is going to talk about spiritual healing. When in right. fact, I don't and, think that's the case. Yeah, and to Josh's point, this actually it is how you do exegesis. You
1: compare how that author of Scripture uses that same word elsewhere, and that's what Alan does. And he looks through uh, the Hebrew Scriptures and how how does Isaiah use this same word elsewhere? And so he's doing the right thing. I, to us, it's just not so conclusive that all of these other verses that Isaiah uses this same word, Hebrew word for healing, that they all exclusively apply to spiritual. We'd say that's true in Isaiah 6. It's inconclusive in Isaiah 19, and perhaps even tilts toward physical and spiritual healing. Uh, guys, I want to read a couple of verses. I alluded to them, but since we have them in our notes, I think it would be helpful to, uh, to read them because there's a point to make out of this. Uh, Deuteronomy 7.15, it says, And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. Okay, so if Isaiah nineteen refers to Egypt as the background for this ultimate prophetic fulfillment of what God'll do with Egypt in the last days, and and God's work with Egypt involved putting sicknesses on them, but not putting them on the Lord's people. Again, it seems at least in the realm of possibility that feel that the fulfillment and escalation of this prophecy, in Isaiah 19 would include both spiritual and physical healing. Now I want to read Isaiah. Uh, sorry, Exodus 15.26, which is even further background for this word, uh, word the Hebrew word rapha. Uh, Exodus 15.26, a very famous verse. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases that uh, on you that I put on the Egyptians for... I am the Lord, your healer. Okay. Now here is what is fascinating about that. So this is a name of God, the Lord, your healer. And uh, so you've probably, you might've heard Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah is just sort of like the English version of the the name Yahweh, uh, but Yahweh Rapha or Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. This is a name of God, which means it is a Part of the eternal character of God that He is a healing God. Point number one, Isaiah uh, Isaiah nineteen has that healing Egypt, uh, or that that healing in the background of God's people and the the Lord your healer. That's in the background, and so physical healing is in the background of the Isaiah nineteen prophecy. So that's point number one. Point number two, um, let's just. Kind of marrying this to Isaiah 53, 5, where it says, by his stripes, you will be healed. By his stripes, you will be Rapha. God's name is Yahweh Rapha or Jehovah Rapha. Okay. So in, Isaiah, in Exodus fifteen twenty six, he is the Lord who physically heals us. And that same Hebrew word, which becomes a compound with the name of God, Yahweh Rapha, but that same Hebrew word, Rafa appears in Isaiah fifty three five. So I don't think, given this biblical background, that we can jump to the conclusion that it doesn't include physical healing. And again, I would say that it tilts in favor that it would include physical healing. Do you guys think I handled that the right way?
0: I think it was very conclusive. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, you, you have the background of, Uh, Israel and Egypt, you have God saying, I'm going to heal you uh, and I'm going to, the disease and destruction that was going to place on them, I'm not going to place on you. Uh, I'm the Lord, your God, I'm your healer. Um, So the connection is Egypt, God's people, healing. Here in this parallel, we see Egypt, God's people, healing, and the language of Rapha is the same language used in all of these contexts. So I think that that all pulls a tight case together to say, uh, it's not explicit in that passage, though I do think we have an explicit text in Isaiah talking about healing. Um, it's at least potentially implicit, uh, and I don't think that you can make a case that for sure you can't use uh, Isaiah as healing because all the Isaiah passages on healing are all spiritual healing and not physical healing. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, should we do Isaiah 30, 26? Moreover, mm-hmm. the light, the moon, uh, will be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light uh, of seven days in the day when the Lord builds up the brokenness of his people and heals wounds inflicted by his blows. And again, here he is is healing wounds that are inflicted by his blows. So I don't know of, I mean, I've read the passage multiple times. Nowhere in the passage does it say in Isaiah 30, 26 uh, or leading up into that, that God is striking them with spiritual blows. In in fact, in 13 through 14, therefore the iniquity shall be to you like a branch in a a high wall, uh, bulging out uh, and about to collapse, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. And its breaking is like that of a potter's vessel that is smashed so ruthlessly that among its fragments not a shard is found uh, with which to take fire uh, from uh, the hearth Uh, or to dip out of water out of a cistern. So he's saying like these broken pieces, you're going to be thrown so violently to the ground that the the pieces will be such useless shards. You can't even use a part of the shard to like scoop anything out of. Uh, And then in 27 through 28, behold, uh, the the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger and thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury, and his tongue is like a devouring fire. Uh, His breath is like an overflowing uh, stream that reaches up to the neck. Uh, so you're like literally up to the neck in God's wrath, uh, sift the nations with a severe, uh, I'm sorry, with a a, a a sieve of destruction, and to place uh, on the jaws of his people a bridle that leads astray. So, again, this all seems like physical destruction that God is bringing on, and he says in this verse that we read, 3026, that he's going to heal them from the blows that he struck. All of the blows in this passage seem very physical, but we don't know what they are. They very well could be uh, foreign nations, it could be uh, actual plagues, it could be, um, you know, supernatural uh, hellfire coming down out of heaven. We don't know what it is, uh, but he says he's going to heal them from the blows that he inflicts on them. And then the blows are described quite violently. So I think, again, yeah. if you're going to read Isaiah 30:26, yes, there is prophetic literature here about the sun being seven times brighter and the moon being as, as bright as the sun and, and see how this is allegorical and, and, and poetic in that nature we shouldn't then, just because that is poetic, assume that everything about the passage is spiritualized. I don't think that's a fair reading of, uh, of that text either. Do you guys yeah. have anything to add well, to that?
1: Yeah, I'll say, um, a lot of scholars understand this to be talking about the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, some of this depends upon, uh, one's approach and, uh, to prophetic writings such as this because some would see well this appears to be a contradiction uh between the new heavens and the new earth, because he says that the sun will be seven times brighter but in the new heavens and the new earth the lord and the lamb are the sun and so you have no need of sun uh personally i would fall into the school of thought which is a very common school of thought because it's prophetic literature and josh you made this point it is figurative language and so um and so I would, I would say that Isaiah and John are making different points through figurative language here. Um, but I would say, along with many scholars, that this is referencing the new heavens and the new earth. Here's why that's relevant. It's relevant because we know that in the new heavens, and the new earth, Revelation 21:4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no, no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And so, um, and so I would say, if this is about the new heavens and the new earth, Um, it definitely includes physical healing. And even if, uh, somebody says, well, this is the millennium after Christ returns and you're a premillennialist. Well, um, it would still include physical healing even for you. So however you see this, I would say, I, I don't know of an interpretation of Isaiah 30, 26 that says physical healing isn't included. So I would say that this, uh, this points to physical healing. Uh, I want to make one more point, guys, and this is uh, my kind of go-to for word studies in the Old Testament is, uh, well, Bruce Walkie is kind of like my main man in any commentary he has, I buy it, and um, and so he has the th- uh, created with a few other guys the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament, and uh, fantastic uh, just fantastic tool for doing word studies anyway so looking up the word rafa um here's what it says and it references isaiah 53 5 it says this the themes of healing and restoration so where alan's going to emphasize restoration and we're going to say well actually i think all of us would say restoration might even be the primary emphasis but we would say at least included within that is healing okay so he, he he addresses both of these okay he says, the themes of healing and restoration as connotations of Rapha are combined in the usage of Isaiah 53.5 with his stripes, we are healed. In other words, Hebrew lexicro- lexicographers say of Isaiah 53.5 and this theological word book of the Old Testament is kind of like the go-to, not just for me, but uh, most people I know who study the Old Testament deeply. And, um, and so I would say, it seems to be kind of a slam dunk here, guys, that it includes both physical and spiritual healing. Okay. And and the reality is that this is just kind of in, in the Hebrew mind, this is how they thought of it. It's why David can say in Psalm 103, uh, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all, all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and he heals all your diseases, that forgiveness and healing he can speak of in the same breath. That's why Jesus in Luke chapter nine can say to a dude, you know, your sins are forgiven. Everybody's like, hey, you can't say your f- sins are forgiven. He's like, okay, well, I can say, take up your mat and walk, whichever one you like. His point is that um, that forgiveness of sin and healing of sickness, it, at least we'll say can be very connected. I won't say always because John chapter nine, there's a dude uh, who it's not his fault. It's not his sin or his parents' sin, if you remember that whole debate. And Jesus says, it's neither of their sin, but this is for the glory of God. So I'm not saying, Every single sin can be attached to, uh, or every single sickness can be attached to a very specific sin. Uh, but what I am saying is that in the Hebrew mind, that the the connection between sin and sickness was was something to, uh, was there, at least in a general broad brushstroke sort of way. And, um, and so it actually makes sense that Hebrew lexicographers are saying of Isaiah 53, 5, that, well, this includes healing, but it also includes restoration, that it's it's both. And so I, th- I think we would say, Alan, you're right. It is restoration, but we would also say it is also healing. Uh, what, what would you
2: guys add or take away from what I said? Oh, I don't really have anything to add there. I was just going to say that the, uh, somebody asked the question about uh, if God's healing is in the atonement, then why do unbelievers get healed as well by Jesus? And I would say that be- uh, it's not just that it's in the atonement that Jesus healed. It's because Uh, he's destroying the works of the devil and results of the reign of the devil. So he's overthrowing the devil's rule. But that doesn't mean that because a person gets healed by Jesus in a moment in time who doesn't believe, uh, that doesn't mean they're going to be saved long term. I mean, any person who gets healed or even resurrected is still going to die until the day of resurrection. And so healing should be a, a, a forward pointing sign to the resurrection itself.
0: Okay, are we ready to click our next video, guys? Ready? Yep, let's do it. Cool. Video number three. And just so you guys know, there's no editing to these. These have been played all the way through. Uh, Clip number four is going to be our last one. We're we're hitting three right now. And the only thing we cut off was the very end of the video that said something to the effect of, hey, he wants to tackle this prosperity tax, which we haven't he did fine. We, we didn't disagree with it anyway. So, uh, we haven't edited any of this. Now
3: let's get to the passage that talks about by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, five says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions, but he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now I want you to pay close attention to all the words in this verse. Transgressions talks about sin, iniquities, talks about sin. The chastisement for our peace, our spiritual peace, having peace with God is talking about sin. In the next verse, it talks about, and the iniquity of us all was laid upon him, talking about sin. So once again, How in the world can we possibly read this verse and just strip it out of its context and just use a couple little phrases and say, oh, well, you know what? If you are dealing with uh, cancer or AIDS or any sort of thing, by stripes we are healed. By stripes we are healed. By stripes we are healed. People are using this verse and they're not looking at the context and they're looking and they're they're missing the fact that every single thing around this context, all the clues around this context, and in the entire book of Isaiah, which I showed you a moment ago, is pointing towards a spiritual healing that Jesus Christ. Christ is going to accomplish for us on the cross. Now, um, let's also go to the New Testament use and let's look at how Peter actually reaches back and uses this phrase, by his stripes we are healed. And let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says this, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So it's talking about the suffering that Christ went through and therefore you and I are going to suffer as well. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Meaning whenever they uh talked about Jesus, he did not respond back negatively. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now watch this. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Once again, guys, there is nothing in first Peter chapter two in this Particular passage that even hints in any way, shape, or form to a physical bodily healing. Everything in the context is talking about sin. So, my friend, listen the next time you just quickly pull any phrase in the Bible out of the air, I want to encourage you to look at the context and look and see how that phrase is used so that you're not telling people things that God never actually intended.
0: Okay, so um, if I'm gonna take a stab at this real quick, and I want you guys to cut me off when y'all disagree with me. Um, his, his use of Isaiah fifty three five when I look at it transgressions and then he says iniquities and then he says peace and then he says healed and he says look there's this sin idea this iniquity idea this peace idea all of this is internal realities and then he jumps down to First Peter two twenty one through twenty four and he talks about righteousness and sin and and Jesus uh, uh, bore our sin and he took our sin and we lived to righteousness right this is who this is what Jesus has done in these passages and I, I just read all that and I go yeah amen I like all that that's good. Um, when, when I look at those passages, I go, he is talking about the inward reality in which God has made us right with God. He saved us. And if, and if I had just these passages, um, if I just had First Peter 2, 21 through 24, quoting Isaiah 53, uh, and I just had the passage in Isaiah 53 alone, could I look at that text and just be 100% confident that healing was in the atonement? I don't know that I could, personally. But this isn't all of the quotations we have in the New Testament of Isaiah 53. Um, Isaiah 53.5 is what we keep quoting, but Isaiah 53.4, the very former verse, is quoted in the New Testament by the apostles referring to sickness and disease. In Matthew 8.14, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her head, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits, and with a word he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So, again, if we had just those verses, I think the immediate context would apply and appear to be an internal reality and yet, the New Testament authors in in Matthew eight, he says this is about physical healing. So I, I think that that is a slam dunk text. When you have an apostle, um, not the, you know, see we have we have Matthew, and Matthew is writing holy inspired scripture, saying Isaiah fifty three includes healing in this atonement work. Now, in Isaiah fifty three four, it is not speaking directly of the atonement; it's talking about his coming and transcending. Uh, and, and living among us, and five is talking about the atonement. But I, I think that you can see contextually how all those things apply, um, and, and you know, fall in on each other. So, what do you yeah, guys think about yeah.
2: that? I, I think the the fact is that that passage in Isaiah fifty three, uh, from beginning to end of it, it's showing that all of these things are intermixed. Um, and if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you find that sin and sickness often go hand in hand. When he hears, heals the paralytic guy, he says, "Now go and sin no more, lest something worse happen to you." And so the implication was it was a sin that got him into this problem to begin with. And if he goes and sins further, something worse could take place. Now, um, anecdotally, I, I would say that a large chunk of the people that I've seen healed, um, they they were demonized and they're demonization came from sins that they committed or sins that were committed against them. And so I, I just don't think that you can so neatly parse out, uh, no pun intended, Alan Parr, uh, so ne- neatly parse out the, the sin and sickness parts of it. Yeah, I know. It was a bad pun. Um, <laughs> but my point is to say this, that, that in Isaiah 53, Jesus, his death, uh, burial, resurrection, his, his atoning work paid for all of it. Uh, I, I think that's pretty clear in Matthew 8's uh, application of uh, Isaiah 53 is very clear and explicitly clear, showing that, that healing is because of that. Um, I, I think the, the thing that Alan is largely responding to, once again, is what he sees as people quoting those passages and laying claim to those passages as though by laying claim to it they can pragmatically force god to give them the healing that they're pragmatically laying claim to and that i would also disagree with i think he's right to combat that and and that is what we call word of faith um I, i would say differently than the word of faith movement that i think healing is in the atonement absolutely I just don't know on which side of the resurrection we'll experience it on. So we all will be healed. And for the person who says, well, you're not going to be healed. You're getting a brand new body. But for the person who gets a brand new body, if they say the words, I'm healed because they have a brand new body, nobody's going to combat that. They're all going to be like, yeah, you're right. You're healed, Uh, healed in every part of you. And so I I would say, again, it's about the resurrection uh, when it comes to healing. We're not told which side of the resurrection we're going to get it on. We just know that we're going to get it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, Sam Storms wrote an article a little while back about this verse. And one of the things he it, he talks about is like, is healing in the atonement? He prefers, even though it's like he concedes, he believes it is, and he would use the inaugurated eschatology uh, framework for understanding it, uh, which is that like, there is healing now, sort of like we get a kingdom appetizer, but the kingdom entree, it, it awaits Christ's return. And so we get sort of like a down payment of the blessings of the spirit in this life, which would include healing, which is why when Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, he also healed the sick and cast out demons. So he proclaimed the message, that, so gospel of the kingdom, the good news of God's reign. And so he... Told them God reigns, and then he showed them God's reign through healing signs and wonders. Okay, so he inaugurates that, but its consummate fulfillment is in the age to come, and that's when he wipes away every tear. Okay, so that's kind of what we're talking about. There's this already not yet component, Um, but Sam's preferred language would be more like healing is through the atonement, uh, not necessarily in the atonement. And he'll talk. I mean, and it just depends on what one means by in. Right, but um, he he really wants to focus it in. Now depends on Michael's what the language. definition
0: of is is. <laughs>
1: there you go. Uh, it, so I'll put my <laughs> yeah. language on it. Jesus died on the cross chiefly to bear the wrath of God for sin. He was dealing with the sin problem. So if we call that maybe the bullseye, uh, Jesus is our propitiation. Bore our sin on the cross. But then there are concentric circles around that bullseye and there are every other blessing that we experience comes as a result of that. And so we could say, yeah, any blessing at all comes as a result of the atonement because if Jesus doesn't die on the cross, well, it all gets wiped out at Eden whenever they fall, fall into sin. So like, um, so in that sense, yes. But But to your point, both of you said this, Matthew makes the explicit point based one verse prior. So if Isaiah 53 5 is the verse in question, by his stripes we are healed. Healed spiritually, healed emotionally, or healed physically. Okay. And and Matthew, pointing to one verse prior, Isaiah 53.4, will will use that verse to say Jesus bore uh Jesus bore our infirmities to describe the healing ministry of Jesus. So according to Matthew, Isaiah 53 is talking about, it is talking about physical healing. And so it is certainly not a stretch to go one verse down from Isaiah 53, 4, he bore our infirmities, to apply that in Isaiah 53, 5. This is not divorced from its context. Actually, it's married to its context, according to the apostle Matthew. I would agree 1 Peter 2 probably focuses um, either entirely or mostly on spiritual healing. And uh, but I would say we cannot forget the Matthew 8.17 connection. It is absolutely pivotal in unlocking that. But I'll also say this, because Josh, one of the things you said on Isaiah 53.5 is it seems like Isaiah 53.5. Maybe it is just about spiritual healing, but Isaiah or maybe it is about I, I can't remember your exact language, but like I, I think what you said was if that's all we had, we might conclude that it was based on spiritual that it was just spiritual healing. But since we have Isaiah 53.4 connected with Matthew 8, 17, we have to conclude that it's physical healing. Now, I agree with that. I agree with that. However, um, maybe not 100%. Be- and here's why. The verse in Isaiah uh, 53, 5, that says the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we were healed. Okay, that word peace. I mean, if you've been around church for a while, you know this. It's the Hebrew word shalom. Okay. You know how the New American Standard Bible, the most literal translation interprets this. Well being. The punishment for our well being was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So, in a very direct and literal translation, shalom probably does mean more than forgiveness. And so, I would just stick with the Hebrew lexicon and the Hebrew scholars who are saying it means both. And so, that would be my conclusion. What do you guys think?
2: I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> I would go yes yes and amen and praise God that that's the case.
0: All of this comes down to one one general thing when we talk about the gifts and I think this is what um we well I say that we actually need to watch this last clip before we wrap up. I forget that there's another clip. So should we do that real quick? Do it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, let me give you a couple other examples.
3: Paul himself, who we know had the actual gift of healing, prayed three times that God would heal him of whatever infirmity he was dealing with. And God said, you know what? I'm not going to heal you because my grace is sufficient for you. Now, people may say, well, what about in the gospels? Didn't Jesus heal everyone? No, Jesus did not heal everyone. That is a lie. There were many times when Jesus was um, in the midst of a crowd of people, and the person who maybe reached out to Jesus, God, Jesus healed, or maybe Jesus healed the man at the uh, the pool of Bethesda, but what about all the other people at the pool that, weren't, that were there? They were sick too. What about all the other people in the crowds that were there? They were probably sick as well. So Jesus did not heal everyone, right? And because there are some specific isolated incidents where people believed Jesus and Jesus responded in healing him does not mean we can take these isolated incidents and we We can just say, well, that must mean that everybody who has enough faith can just somehow conjure up the faith to be able to believe God. And if we have enough faith, we can force God to do something that we want him to do. We have to be careful not to take isolated incidents and isolated stories from the Gospels and just assume that that must be the normative experience
0: for every single Christian. On this, we agree. If people watch Remnant Radio, they know that we will go further than Alan goes here. Um, Paul had an infirmity in Galatia because some charismatics really don't like his thorn in the flesh passage because they'll, they'll think that's spiritual. Uh, so we'll do Galatians 4.13. Paul, when he goes and speaks to the Galatians, he had some kind of infirmity in his flesh and they still received him in faith. And he was commending them for that. Uh, Trophimus was left in Miletus sick in 2 Timothy 4.20 as a ministry partner that Paul was traveling with. And this guy was sick and, and Paul just split on him because he couldn't wait for him to get better. Uh, Paphrodis was on his deathbed in Philippians two, uh, and, and it seems like this was uh, kind of climaxing until he almost died, and then at the very last moment, God finally raised him up. So at least in that, it seems like a prolonged moment of sickness before healing came, and and Paul was with this guy the whole time. Uh, Timothy uh, had to drink some wine for his stomach; his stomach had some kind of problems, and and Paul didn't send him any handkerchiefs to heal that thing. So, uh, and then at the end of Paul's ministry, we see him heal an entire island of people. So we don't think that there's anything wrong with the gift of healing um uh in paul's life or in paul's ministry and just like alan says i don't think we can grab a a specific text and then just declare it at you know uh declare it blindly and with no application with no context And, and i think that's really alan's main point in pushing against the way that isaiah 53 is being used that hey Brother, uh, if someone said something to this effect, you know, brother, the the Bible says you are healed, and that is the reality of heaven, and and what we need to do is we need to see your sickness bow to it, and if it can't bow to it, that means there's something wrong with your faith, placing all the responsibility on the person, saying God's done everything he can, he died on the cross for you, Uh, the only thing that's going to get you to appropriate that supernatural work is faith, um, where, you know, again, this is... This is turning faith into a work. It's turning it into a labor. It's turning it into psychological certainty, something that's required of by you. Uh, whereas Paul will say in Galatia, it's not a work that God performs miracles. It's hearing in faith, really trusting his character and his nature and who he is. Uh, but, but trusting God, you know, like someone in the comments said something to the effect of, you know, well, why don't some Christians get healed then? Just punt it downfield. It's like, well, why does God deliver some Christians and then others die by lions? Mystery. Let's just punt it downfield. Why, why do some people get you know completely addicted to alcohol and, and drugs, and and when they come to faith, they get completely delivered, while others have to wrestle through it through their Christian walk? I don't know. It's mystery. Let's just punt it downfield. Look, the way that God works in creation, we don't get to demand of God how things work, but we know when things work, it's by His power, it's by His work. When we look at the cross, we're saying that God has given. God has paid for this this healing uh, the, the, uh, of, of sickness and disease that was introduced from the fall. He's purchased it back with his blood. As he's risen into heaven, he's given his kids good gifts. These things aren't done by any of our work or our merit or our psychological certainty. We don't get to twist God's arm. God is sovereign, full stop. Um, and he gets to deliver those whom he will. Uh, he, he gets to heal those whom he wills. But we can also have faith in character in what he's done and have expectation that he's going to perform certain acts that are in unity with his will and the way that he acts and the way he that he lived um, uh, uh, in his incarnation in the days that he was walking here on the earth uh, and, and throughout the Old Testament. So I've gotten off my soapbox. Those are kind of my closing thoughts for this. Do you guys want to hop on board for there?
2: Yeah, I would just say that faith means not just uh, going to God to be healed. Faith also means trusting in God when you're not. Um, faith doesn't just mean you know shutting up the heavens so that they produce no rains. Uh, it also means you know being sawn in two or being burned at the stake. Um, faith Man. doesn't just mean being released from prison. Sometimes it means spending the rest of your life there and dying there. So faith is true in both cases. And so the the, the word of faith does though is it, it manipulates faith to only be uh, the release from prison and the healing as opposed to the enduring. And I just right. like it for good. that reason. So both of you guys
1: are alluding to Hebrews eleven thirty two to the end of the chapter, the famous hall of faith with all these people where it's by faith, they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, etc. Women received back their dead by resurrection. So it's like all this victory, but then some were tortured, refusing to accept relief so that they might... Uh, rise again to a better life, others suffering, mocking, flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into, they were killed with the sword, et cetera. The world was not worthy of them, but all of them were commended through their faith. So both of you guys have alluded to these, ver- alluded to these verses. And so what we're going to say is like, hey, we're we're charismatics. We don't fall into the triumphalist word of faith camp where it's like, Hey, as long as you have enough faith, no matter what, God is obligated to heal you. Faith is some kind of force where you can manipulate him into, into uh, living a vic- victorious lifestyle, which to Alan's point results in a tremendous amount of disillusionment. And we, we think it's bad and uh, it, and no true faith. It we, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Uh, I, I, would say really, it's always good, <laughs> but sometimes it'll be easier and sometimes it'll be harder. Uh, we don't know what the, what the, uh, I guess how the chips are going to fall, so to speak, but, uh, but it's faith in both cases. So, um, and, and I, I'm actually encouraged by these stories in the Bible where it's like, you know, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake or Paul's infirmity at Galatia. Like it it helps round out this picture where you have these other pictures of like, you know, Paul's hanky healing people and Peter's shadow healing people and those those sorts of things. So uh, I would probably push back on with Alan on just like um, I, I think that. When uh, I, I like John Wimber's wording of it, he says every time somebody approached Jesus asking for a healing, he, he treated their sickness as an enemy. And uh, he, he wasn't he didn't do what a lot of cessationists do like, oh, well, maybe this sickness is just a blessing. Just, you know, hold on to this blessing and, you know, praise God you're sick and God's going to use it. I mean, hey, we believe in the redemptive value of suffering, but Jesus didn't say to all these sick people, well, redemptive value of suffering, just go your merry way. He actually healed them. Every single person who came asking for healing got a healing. I think that's pretty profound. And I think that we should pray with faith and anticipation that God actually will heal. And I think the more we do that, the more healings we'll see. But again, to Alan's point, that doesn't mean we're twisting God's arm. It doesn't mean that God is in any way obligated on the basis of our faith. So uh, I think I would finish with that, guys.
0: Sweet.
1: Yeah. And, and maybe this, maybe this
0: you're <laughs> <laughs> such a preacher no after this guys for sure i'm gonna close after this one
1: <laughs> well,
0: i'm landing the plane hold alan, on we just got we love up you up
1: dude here. you're like one of our favorite youtubers so we just disagree with you on this it's all good so yeah that's uh, that's a that's yeah, a good that's point a, to clarify on
0: uh alan in a lot of ways is a uh, phenomenal example of what a christian looks like when they approach the text of scripture the way that they they, they gently respond to people they disagree with um, again, time and time again, he's h- handled the scriptures with care and, and faithfulness. So we want to commend him for that. And we don't want this, this disagreement of saying, hey, we disagree with him on this subject. Again, you can see how someone would disagree. I think there's a lot of compelling cases on both sides. Uh, but that being said, um, this is the side that we lay on. We don't want you to think that because we disagree uh, uh, with Alan on this issue that somehow, you know, he's going to be unfaithful with handling scripture or even the doctrine of healing or other things like that. Uh, It's just a disagreement. So we'd encourage you to go check out his channel, subscribe to it. And if you're out here and you're like, hey, uh, you guys talk a lot about the gifts of the spirit. What do you guys actually believe about healing and prophecy and tongues and things like that? We need to check out the Word and Spirit School of Ministry Registration ends February 26th. Uh, what we do is we give you 117 videos, guys. It's 117 videos uh, on a course uh, that you watch like five to 12. I mean, depending on what week it is, uh, you watch a bunch of videos that are educational. You've got some homework assignments. Sometimes it's reading. Sometimes it's activities. Sometimes it's like you're you're writing out some answers to stuff. Then you the videos jump are into, a few minutes piece. Yeah, it doesn't take the videos a videos are a f- yeah. You right. jump into a it's live Q and A. Twelve hours a week. It's, I'm going to mute you so I can I get did- through this. Okay, so uh, it's, it, you have a live Q&A, and then after the live Q&A, uh, you break out into small groups and you practice the gifts. So the uh, first couple weeks, we go through friendship with God, then we do like, uh, uh, who is the Holy Spirit, what is the kingdom. We break down the kind of basic building blocks of the charismatic gifts, and then after that, we dive into uh, uh, the tongues, interpretation, healing, prophecy. And again, we're not teaching you how to speak in tongues. If people are in the comment section losing their mind saying, you know, are you telling people to tie their bow tie and untie their bow tie? Are you telling them to spell Coke backwards? E-K-O-C. You know, and that's somehow tongues. No, that is not what we're doing. Uh, we're telling people how to practice the gifts as the Apostle Paul and others in the New Testament do. Like, hey, there's tongues. There should be an interpretation. You know, uh, if you pray for the sick, don't don't heap upon them a bunch of guilt like we've just explained uh, because they didn't have enough faith, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're teaching the kind of um, I don't know, safe guardrails that protect the gifts of the spirit uh, because we we believe in them. We believe in the gifts and we want to protect them from the kind of wackiness of the charismatic space. And we've we've seen some really spectacular testimonies. Uh, all of that can be found in the links of the description of the video. OK, Roundtree, I muted you, so I'm, I'm going to let you take it from here. Go for Dude. it, man. Anything, anything? No, I didn't <laughs> no, man. I couldn't hear myself.
1: You need that hook uh, to
2: just like pull them out. <laughs> i kill you
1: okay so uh yeah i just wanted to know like uh, this is not like 12 new hours to your week it's just a you know a few minutes per video uh but anyway it's gonna be it's gonna be great you should sign up and if you haven't come to our if you haven't signed up for our conference there's probably like you know, four seats left. So sign up quickly. that's a total guess. I don't know, but it couldn't be very many. So uh love to see you at our conference. All that information in the description. Hit the like button, hit that subscribe button. Check out our Andy Stanley video from yesterday. Uh interviewed the eye wit- uh one of the eyewitnesses, Ryan Visconti. Uh check out our video the day before. Uh interviewed Dr. Stephen Willem, uh Wellem about uh just uh about how do the old testament and the new testament come together and how do we interpret and and uh old testament in the light of the new and so on fascinating conversation uh and uh yeah so hit that subscribe button so you can go ahead and josh we could say this we could tell them what's coming is it next week uh, oh yeah uh, so
0: my wife and michael's wife are tripping about this we're interviewing one of the former duggars uh ginger yes, i don't know who who is this? You are know, so, interviewing you know, like the the they're, like Duggar. fundamentalist Baptists that have a bajillion kids. One of their kids oh. became like non-fundamentalist, and like my wife read the book and she's like, dude, this is pretty good. She's like, the Bible's not about you. Like she's like saying some like classical oh, awesome. like reformed Christian stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. So we're interviewing a Duggar.
1: We're interviewing a Duggar. Pretty All cool. Right. So I'm I i it about it. I oh, there it is. You beat me to it, Miller. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> All right. God
2: bless you guys. Have a great week.
0: Blessings. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there